He is greater. Jesus Christ, he is our king. He is our hope. He is heir of all things. He purifies us from sin. We have life eternal because of him. He is our great God. Amen. Well, man, we are in a series here called Greater. And as we dive into this series today, and as we continue on, really just two more weeks as we dive in, each week is all about finding a new facet of the greatness of Jesus Christ. The title of today's sermon, if you look at the notes, is Jesus is greater than any other rest. Jesus is greater than any other rest. And in fact, it says part one. Like part two coming next week, these, this week and next week are covering the rest that we can have in Jesus Christ. Not just the here and now earthly, but eternal, perfect, glorious, heavenly rest. The rest that we can have in Jesus Christ. And so we're talking about Jesus Christ as greater. Everybody just say, he is greater. Yeah, louder and bigger, fill the room. Man, don't miss it. Jesus Christ, he is greater. That is why we're here. That is who we're here to worship. So as we dive in, just turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Hebrews 3, starting in verse 16, as we get going. Point number one, be aware. Unbelief is a costly, eternal step. Be aware. Unbelief is a costly, eternal step. To distance ourselves from God and to miss what he's about can cost us even eternity. May we be careful with what we have going on. Costly and eternal step. You know, the context here as we jump in at the uh, middle of Hebrews 3 is, remember last week he was saying, today if you hear his voice, do not let your heart be hardened. Don't harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, respond. May we listen to the God of the universe as he presses in. And may we respond to him. That's the culture that we're picking up. That's the context that we're talking about today. May we respond to him. As we dive in, he's kind of continuing in that vein. So he starts in verse 16. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses? With whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? Now, the author Hebrews of Hebrews here is actually writing down some detail, and he's actually recording back. He's giving us a little summary of last week's message. He's like, remember the story with Israel coming out of Egypt. They were captive there for 400 plus years. This nation in captivity released out, no longer slaves. God doing miracle work, parting the Red Sea. They come through. He gives them food called manna from heaven. He's providing for them. And then all of a sudden they get thirsty. And they're like, yeah, no, this is too much. I can't handle this. Like, I'm not sure I can really lean on God anymore. Now I can't believe in him. And is God really even among us? They really, literally went that far. Is God even among us if we're this thirsty? What's going on? And there was this rebellion that went down, this unbelief. And that's what he's now referring to as he goes to summarize it. He now asks it in the form of a question. He's looking for a resounding answer. He's looking for the readership as they hear it to be like nodding their head and saying yes out loud, right? Like this is a big response moment as he's getting the clarity. He says, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? 
Was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses? And the resounding answer is, yeah, that's not even close to resounding. And the resounding answer is, like, yes, man, that's who it is. These ones who rebelled in the wilderness, they were thirsty and they just lost it. He's like, he uses a couple words here. He says, the ones who left Egypt, you got to notice how downplayed that is. They were slaves for 400 years. They didn't just leave. They were released. They were no longer slaves. They were bondage broken free. You know, when you left, he's playing down it like you're missing the greatness of what they had. They left. And then it says, and they had Moses. They had a great leader and a a strong man of God and you were following after and in the midst of all that, they rebelled. Was it not those who were provided for so massively and yet rebelled? Answer, yes. And then he goes again to another question. With whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And the resounding answer is, yes. Like, this is who it is. 40 years, it says, that he was provoked. What does that mean? Well, after they uh, exited Egypt, they ended up being so distrusting of God, so unbelieving, that as God said, here is the land I'm going to take you to, they were like, I don't know, man. It seems kind of dangerous. I don't think I want to go that way. I think it could be a little rough. Let's not go that direction. And so they literally, unbelievingly, walked away from the promise of God. And so for the next 40 years, they were wandering in the wilderness. God providing for them along the way in different ways, showing them who he was, but they were provoking him in their unbelief. Why 40 years? Well, because 40 years is about the duration of a generation at that time. And he's like, the ones who would not believe in me will not enter the promised land, this land of Israel, of rest that I'm going to be giving. That will be for your kids and your grandkids. This generation that wouldn't believe me, no, you're going to miss out on it. And so 40 years they wandered and they ended up, it said, who sinned and whose bodies fell in the wilderness. They literally of old age passed away in the wilderness as they wandered and they got to the point where they now had died and their kids were full grown and those are the ones that God then walked in to the promised land. Isn't that who it was? The ones who were unbelieving, the ones who weren't trusting, the ones who missed out and the answer is a thunderous yes. You know, as I got to thinking about this phrase here, it says who sinned against God. Sin, it's something that we as human beings struggle with all over the place in our life. Uh, We have the privilege of getting sin confessed and getting it real. And, you know, anybody who says they're without sin, well, that misses the whole point. That's not what Scripture says at all. We're struggling, but in the midst of our struggle, can have victory and forgiveness. May we always come to our God and lay it down. And all of God's people said, Like, that's a huge deal, man. Get real with sin. But I just wrote these words down contemplating sin this week. Why why choose sin? Why did these guys go that route of rebellion? Why didn't they just believe God? It's so much easier to look at somebody else's life and be like, what's wrong with them? Why did they choose that? In our own life, it makes so much sense, right? We're so brilliant in the move we're making. But with others, we're like, what in the world were they thinking? And I wrote this about sin. Sin steals the promises of heaven. Sin steals the promises of heaven. You know, things like no more pain, no more sorrow, or true safety, or deep satisfaction. 
sin, it steals the promises of heaven and tries to attach it to right now. That's what sin's doing. It's trying to take this absolute perfection, no pain, no sorrow. It's trying to give some kind of relief or anesthetizing. It's trying to usher in what heaven promises for the right here and right now. It's a lie. It's a joke. But sin trying to usher in a little bit of heaven in the here and now. And we have to be so careful that we don't get impatient and try to make the heaven of tomorrow, the heaven of the future, eternity that's coming, all of a sudden rush in and be the here and now as we grab on to some sin and separate from our God. Be careful. Sin is not the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. And all of God's people said, huge deal, man. It says, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? He's like, come on, wasn't it to the ones who were disobedient where he said they're not going to enter the rest? Now, he's, he was talking with Israel there about them entering the land of Israel, right? What we would actually think of today, the nation of Israel that exists today, it's largely that boundaries, those boundaries, a little bit different, but largely those boundaries uh, of Israel. That's what he was talking about, that promised land. It was this earthly blessing that would be given to them, this, this rest of sorts that they could have. And it was a rest where God would provide peace and protection and presence. They would be so trusting in him and there would be this awesome worship. And he was providing for them this rest, offering it up. And they were disobedient and missing out because of it. It says to enter his rest. Speaking very specifically of the promised land and the hope that they could have, the Israelites said, "Uh, no thanks, we choose ourselves over you. I mean, that's a thunderous problem. But the Israelites were choosing themselves over God, and it was a terrible plan. Everybody say, terrible plan. Man, to choose yourself and what you think and the way you want to go and make that the right answer over God. It was a horrible plan, and they put themselves into a train wreck of a problem out in the middle of the wilderness as they wrestled and were not responding. It says, so we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief belief. That generation that was offered up this rest, this promised land, and didn't believe, well, they were unable to enter because of unbelief. I just wrote these words down, belief. It is the confidence that God has it. Belief. The confidence that God has it. In whatever area you're struggling with, confidence that God has it. Now we can be talking about salvation overall, belief. I believe that God has my salvation in hand. I trust in him. I lean on him. And yes, have belief in that. And even in your day-to-day, in your daily struggles, in the hurts, the heartaches, the questionings, the whatever you may be going through that's rattling you, belief. It's a confidence that God has it. It says, so we see they were unable to enter because of their unbelief. They chose to trust themselves and not their God. Huge problem. Imagine a young man, a high school kid. He's in class. It's towards the end of uh, the class. It's his last class of the day. He's got to get off to somewhere else. Uh, So he has brought his books with him for going home to do homework that night and everything else. So he's got his stuff there in the class. As the class ends, he gets up and he takes off and he gets out of the class, out of the school pretty fast. You know, he's talking to some friends on the way, but he's getting out of there and he's on his way home. He realizes when he's partway home, oh, 
I left a couple of the books there on the desk. What was I doing when I stopped to talk to the guy? I just walked away and left him. So he turns around to go back and get the books. He turns around and he gets all the way back to the school. And now most of the doors are actually locked already. They've got the school locked down already. There was one door open as he gets around to it. So he goes in there and he runs up to the classroom. And of course, he gets to the classroom door and right, the door is locked. And he's like, great. He can look in the window and he can even see his book sitting on his desk. He's like, ah, oh, I need that book. I got to go get them, somebody to get some help. So he goes and he looks for the janitor and he finds the janitor. You know, the guy with like that giant ring of keys on the side, right? And it's got all the keys on it and uh, it would be on that ring that he could use and pull up. Now we've even got the more high-tech one where you can like pull it out. And it's got that little stretchy string that kind of brings it back together. And But all those keys, right? And as he gets the janitor, he tells him what's going on. He's like, yeah, I've got the key. So they turn around and they start to walk and the keys are just like, ching, 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 like clanging the whole way they walk in that awkward walk down the hall with the boy and the janitor, nobody talking to anybody and the keys just clanging. Ching, ching, ching. They get to the classroom and the janitor picks the key up and he goes, man, I love this key. This key feels good. This key looks good. I mean, I love the color of this key. I love the size of this key. This key is awesome. I made this key. I love this key. And he takes the key and he goes over to open the door and he goes, and it doesn't open. And the kid's sitting there looking at him like, you're going to open it? And he's like, wow. It's not opening this one, but it opens this one across the hall. Check this out. And he opens that door up and it swings wide open. He goes, look. And the kid's like, great. I need in this room, not that room. He's like, yeah, but it even opens this one up, opens another door up. He's like, I don't need that one. I need to get in this one. And he goes, yeah, but I made this key. I don't want to use the other key. And he's like, I need to get in there and Man, how often is that us in our life? As we wrestle with our God and we're like, God, the answer I'm going to go after is the key I've made. And I know you have the key and I know I could trust and it would open up, and, but I'm not going after. I want to use my key. And I know it opens a different door. Well, I'll go after that then. And, and we miss out on the privilege of entering in to our rest with our God. Men, be careful. All too often, we go for holding our own key and we love how it looks and feels, but it's not opening the door to entering into rest with our Almighty King. Man, are you willing to trust your God? Do you have His key, not your key? Are you willing to have faith and belief in Him so that you can get in to the place that's so so right. And it's absolutely important that we grasp the right key to bring the right rest. And all too often we go after trying to get it in the wrong way. That's exactly where Israel was going and their unbelief and their trust in self drug them down into a corner. Let me ask you a question. What's your key? Are you holding on to something that you're trying to use to get you good with God? that you're trying to make sure keeps you good with God in some way? Are you using some way or some means instead of Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen, he is your hope. 
Man, are you in? Are you patiently, trustingly walking with your God on that journey? Be careful. Unbelief it comes with a high cost. Make sure you've got the right key, trusting in Jesus Christ. He is greater. Everybody just say, he is greater. Awesome, man. Point number two, believe in Jesus and enter eternal rest with him. Believe in Jesus and enter eternal rest with him. He starts out, he says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. He says, therefore, and when we see the therefore, we say, What's the therefore? Therefore, it is amazing how many times this word appears in the book of Hebrews. He presents some pieces of information and then he calls us to act upon them. And this last week, he's now presented the information. Unbelief comes with high, high cost. Therefore, may we respond properly while the promise of entering his rest still stands while the promise of entering his rest still stands. First of all, this is like a tie back to last week's statement. Today, if you hear his voice, do not let your heart be hardened. While you have the chance to respond, respond to your king. Allow Jesus to be in charge. But more than that, it says, while the promise of entering his rest still stands. So he has now taken this type, this metaphor of the Israelites entering into the earthly promised land, and it's now becoming a representation of each of us as we trust in Jesus, entering into heaven, perfection, glory with him, eternal rest forever with Jesus Christ. He's now beginning to talk of it that way. This promise of his rest still stands. Remember, at the time that what he was quoting out of Psalm 95 was written, uh, Israel was now already in the promised land. They did already have that rest going on. This is now for them looking forward to heaven, eternity with God Almighty. Heaven, man, it's a place where pain and suffering are gone. Heaven, a place where your body will never hurt again. And all of God's people said, I mean, it's a huge deal that our bodies will never hurt again, that there will be no more ache or pain, that there will never be a moment where you wake up after a sleep and you're hurting from it. Have you ever had that happen? You wake up after you're sleeping and you're like, how in the world can my neck hurt so bad from laying here, right? What did I do to my leg or my foot that I'm so in pain after just laying on the bed? And man, I'm telling you, in this world, we struggle with so many things. All that pain gone. No more pain. No more sorrow. No more heartache. No more loss. No more death. No more struggling with what's going on with our loved ones. All of that behind us. We run forward into eternity and perfection. Heaven forever with Jesus Christ. Know this man, it's not just about the place, it is about the person of Jesus Christ and worshiping with him in all perfection and glory. And all of God's people said, amen man, heaven, eternal rest, don't miss it, he says. Let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Seem means it appears on the outside, it looks like 
that it might look like you failed to reach it. In the original language, that word failed to reach is actually the words missed out, lacking. That it seems you may be lacking in it. And to put it directly, it looks like maybe you're faking it. It looks like maybe you're working more at being at church rather than being the church. It looks like you're going after trying to make works the center of your solution. You have your own key that you made and you're going after that while still hanging in and around the church. Be so careful. Be so careful that as you rally together as the church here, as we come together online, as we come together, that we come together to make much of Jesus Christ in full tilt belief, making much of him, leaning on him, his key, his solution. May we not be faking it. May we not be works driven. May it not be about the key that I've made that I'm so happy to be able to celebrate with others. May it be all about Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, he's like, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Don't let this happen. He says, for good news came to us just as to them. He's like, let me make this clear. They received good news, the Israelites. They received the news. Here's the promised land. You're on the wandering in the desert. It's been horrible. It's been hard. I know it's been tough, but I'm going to provide for you this land. There's going to be provision and promise and my presence. There will be protection. Let's go. And in the midst of that offering, they were like, yeah, yeah, no thanks. I'm not going to go that way. It looks to me like a lot of fighting with a lot of big guys, and I'm kind of out on that. So no thanks, God. I'm not going to go that route. I'm not going to trust you in the midst of it. They had a message, but they wouldn't receive the message. Oh, they heard it. Their ear heard the words. Their heart even understood the promise. They decided to trust themselves instead. He's like, remember, just as they had good news, so we have good news. He's like, we have good news. We're being promised the chance to enter into a heaven, eternity with Jesus Christ, Pain gone, sorrow gone, heartache gone, absolute glory stunning to the end, always with him, full eternity, promise of hope. We're hearing the good news. Are you receiving it and listening to it? Are you responding to it and saying, Lord, I trust you and I believe in you? It says, but the message they heard did not benefit them because it hit their ears and the words were even understandable but they didn't respond to it. They heard it, but they didn't hear it. You know what I'm saying? They heard the words, but they did not let it affect their life and their soul, and they acted in rebellion and pushed away. And do you find yourselves in that spot where you're wrestling with your God, maybe because of a heartache, maybe because of a fear, maybe because of a struggle, maybe because of just wanting your way, but you're like, Lord, I'm gonna go after it this way instead. And you're starting to walk away or drift away from the one who is Savior and Lord. Be careful. One of the strongest indicators that we're faking it, one of the strongest indicators that we're missing out on is that we're allowing some sin to rage in our life and we won't address it. We won't confess it, we won't get it done, we just keep hanging on and we keep going after it. Be careful. That almost looks like you're just trying to do it yourself and that may not even be saved. 
be cautious. Sin is a strong indicator that you might be playing around. Time to stop faking it and get right with my God. May God get all the glory. He then says, for we who have believed enter the rest. And I'm just telling you, this verse, this sentence just rocked me this week. When I first went through it, I kind of missed it. And I wrote down kind of the details of what I was thinking. And, but here's the deal. When you really study it carefully, there are actually two tenses of verb going on. There's a past tense and a present tense. It says, we who have believed. Like, it's already happened. I believed. Like, everybody say, already saved. Like, already saved. And then it says, enter the rest. It's in the present tense. Dude, that is not in the future tense. It does not say will enter. A lot of times we read this and we're like, those who are saved will enter heaven. And that is a true statement. Will enter, yes. But that's not what it says. It says enter his rest. Those who are already saved, man, if you have trusted Christ, saved. Those who are already saved, you today, right now, right here, enter another little bit of his rest. His peace with you right here today. One degree of glory transformation right here today. God's presence with you in the middle of your heartache. You are not alone. Right here, right now, earthly rest can be entered and tasted a little bit. Don't get me wrong, man. This world is broken. But God is delivering up in the present tense and on into eternity. That is our hope. And all of God's people said, amen, man, don't miss that promise. We can lean and trust on him with all we've got. He says, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Some going in because of belief and others missing it because of not. Bible Knowledge Commentary summarized it this way. Belief gains entrance into rest. Unbelief bars access. Belief gains entrance into rest. Unbelief bars access. May we trust in Jesus Christ. It says, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, although his works were finished, God doing this work, now he's jumping over to Genesis chapter two is kind of his point and he's talking about the works that he did, finished from the foundation, completed. God worked for six days and then rested on the seventh, right? Completed on that sixth day. He says, although his works were finished. And uh, like in other words, they didn't miss out on the rest because the rest hadn't been created yet. They didn't miss out on the rest because it didn't exist. God rested on the seventh day. His rest fully existed. They missed out because of their unbelief. He says, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day this way. For he has somewhere spoken of that seventh day this way. Now, have you noticed this is the second time where the author of Hebrews says, somewhere it says this. And just so we're clear, this is a very rabbinic, a rabbi kind of approach. Uh, remember, when we talk about a verse, we'll talk about chapter and verse, right? But that didn't come into play until like a thousand years ago. Right? It was just a little bit after. So when they referred to it, you had to open up a scroll and just keep reading until you got to it. So they often would say, for it says somewhere, Right? And then chapter and verse came in, and around 1000 AD, we'll call it like that. And somewhere in there, you were able to now lock down what chapter, what verse we're talking about. It says, For he has spoken of the seventh day uh, like this. And he says, And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. 
And now with chapter and verse, we can say, he's talking Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. And you can write that down, Genesis 2, 2, as he begins to say, and God rested. You might be like, what is he doing? This feels like a topic change. Um, but just so you know, what he's doing is he's actually doing a very rabbi move. Every single week before the rabbis would move into the Sabbath day rest, they would first read Psalm chapter 95. And it would talk about worship and worshiping all that God is. And they would walk through it. And Psalm 95 ends with, don't miss out on his rest. Make sure you believe with him. That's Psalm 95. And then they would jump over to Genesis 2 and say, and God has rested on the seventh day. And so now you're entering into a rest with him. And so the rabbis, as they taught Sabbath rest, would teach Psalm 95, Genesis 2, let's rest in him. That's exactly what this author just did. A very rabbi move. Psalm 95, Genesis 2, let's rest with him. God the Father, he worked for six days and then he rested. And we're invited into that rest as we show belief. Man, do you believe in Jesus Christ? It says, and again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Belief is the entry with Jesus Christ. Unbelief is a massive, massive cost. May we rest in Jesus Christ. May we trust in him and believe in him. May we find that our entry into heaven is not because of some key we hold we made. It's not because of some trust in me and my own works. Jesus Christ, he has done the work at the cross. That's the one key. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Are you in? Do you trust in Jesus Christ? Are you ready to taste of his rest? His rest that starts right here and right now and extends into all eternity. Are you ready to enter his rest? Let's pray. 